You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cooked to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all we can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Just listening to the two boys talking to Ed on The Breakfast Show this morning. I am going to see that stage, that new stage of his first hand. I'm so looking forward to this, actually. Got invited to go to see him at Croke Park Saturday. Myself and my daughter are going up for the day. I'm going to have a good day out, but I'm so looking forward to seeing this stage that Ed Sheeran has got. And watch my socials on Saturday evening. I'll get you as many sneak previews as I can. 0818 96 96 96. Another opportunity to qualify for our competition also later this morning. I guarantee to play an Ed Sheeran song. I'm not going to tell you when, but I guarantee to play an Ed Sheeran song later on this morning. Need to get straight down to business, though. This Thursday, on on Tuesday, we were talking about the Fuss March and about how parents and carers of children with special and additional needs are planning a march in Cork on May the 6th. And they want to make a fuss because they've been putting up for it for too long, putting up with the conditions under which they are expected to live. Yesterday I took a trip out of the city down to Upper Glenmire to visit Julianne. Julianne lives with her son Liam and they both have needs. She's a full-time carer for her son who is 15. He was out at the time at school and that was the only way that she could meet me for interview. And There was another reason why I travelled to visit her. Here's Julianne Kinnean. So, Julianne, just to explain to listeners, I, I might speak a bit more slowly than normally because you are lip-reading me right now because you are profoundly deaf. That's right. Um, BJ, I'm profoundly deaf since probably two when mm. they found out that I couldn't hear. Um, I had meningitis and they always presumed I went deaf from meningitis. But we found out later I actually have genetic deafness that I have passed on to my son. So my speech is good. I've learned to speak 
very, very young, but I actually depend on being able to see your face to yeah. be able to hear. And if I can't see your face, I can't hear anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a bit You're, strange. I'm just, I'm just uh, ahead moving, looking at you. Yes, I, I actually appreciate you making the effort and coming and doing this face-to-face interview. It shows how forward-thinking you are, and it really is. I appreciate it. Talk to me about yourself and Liam. How old is he now? Uh, well, I'm 45, and Liam will be 15 next week. So I suppose we've had a very hard, long slog to try and get um, any services whatsoever. Um, we both have separate needs. Mm-hmm. and um, What are his, for example? He's autistic yeah. and he has ADHD and a few more. So what are his needs? Um, I suppose the need for occupational therapy, for physio, for speech and language, for access to the mental health services. Um, I suppose... He was implanted with the cochlear implant, which was amazing. You know, it was amazing technology. But then we never really got any follow-up with speech and language. And they're kind of expecting me, a deaf mother, to teach him how to speak, how to give him access to language. And I'm kind of, um, hold on a minute, my own speech, you know, isn't fantastic. How do I give him the words that I don't have? I would have a, a lack in the vocabulary. And how do I teach them the words that I don't? You reminded me when I came to your door that we met before yeah. uh, when he was only five and he were trying to get the implants for him. We had a massive battle, um, God, it's 10 years ago now, to try and get him the cochlear implants. And I'm only thinking how long ago it was and how such a big, big battle to get him those cochlear implants and the expense and going up and down to Dublin. We went to the Doyle and we spoke in the Doyle and we got him the first implant and then to go back and fight five more years later to get him the second implant. And now he can hear, he can do well with hearing, but to actually give him access to spoken language, he needs a speech and language therapist. Mm. He needs someone to speak to down with them and teach him spoken language. Mm-hmm. Deaf children are very, very different to hearing children. Hearing children are going to learn from hearing language being spoken around them. Deaf children need to be taught language. Mm. They need someone to sit down and teach them new vocabulary over and over again. Mm. And Liam is actually missing that. He's missing words that I don't use on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. And he'll come back to me and he'll say, I heard another child saying... And he tried to pronounce the word and he can't say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, I don't know what that word is. Mm-hmm. So I have to go back to his teacher or I have to go back and say something to somebody else and try and get them to teach me how to teach them. So, so he has never had, even though he got the implants, mm-hmm. he has never had speech and language therapy? No, very poor and very poor access to speech and language therapy. Um, he might have gotten the odd four or five sessions and that was it. And then the very same with occupational therapy. Um, I think Explain, sorry to yep. interrupt. Occupational therapy is a, is a word we hear a lot of. Yeah. What is it? What does he need that an OT would teach yeah. him? For Liam, it's all about movement, how he's using his joints, how he regulates his emotions. 
So if Liam is not, uh, I suppose grounded is a word that we use a lot. Um, if he is not feeling comfortable in himself, if he's feeling hyper, if he's not feeling regulated. OT is very important to link in with an occupational therapist and say, you know, what supports can we give Liam to help him feel better about himself, help him to manage something? It's about self-esteem as well. So if I can't do something, can you show me how to do it better? Writing, access to opening and closing jars, um, washing, taking care of yourself. Um, Liam also has arthritis and he has a lot of pains in his joints. So at the moment we need the uh, um, occupational therapy to help him with equipment, Mm. laptops. He can't write very well, Um, so we need a laptop. For, for school, he needs a proper desk, he needs a special chair in school, so he's not getting any pains in his neck, he's not bending his neck. Um, unfortunately, there's a huge lack in services for occupational therapy, and that's probably about as far as the services can go. We can write you a report for school, but we can't really go any further than that. We can't offer him any one-to-one services. And Liam has dyspraxia. Dyspraxia is about how you use your hands, how you use your joints. And Liam would find self-care very hard, tying his shoes, using his hands for brushing his teeth, brushing his hair, shaving. And I'm a woman and I'm okay. How do I shave him? How do I teach him? how to shave mm. and it's actually quite a high task for a child that's very very sensory his mm. face is very sensory trying to put a shaving foam on him trying to use a blade on him he absolutely hates um, dry shaving just a sense of the shaver on his oh, face you can't use an electric no, it has to be a wet shaver he won't use um, electric shaver. It would just the noise of it, the feeling of it on his skin will drive him absolutely crazy. And do you have to do it for him? Is yeah. there a danger he would cut himself? Yes, he would absolutely cut himself. And then I suppose it's the worry that if I cut him or if anything happens, then he won't be able to deal with that. It's not a case of being able to reason with them and I'm sorry I've cut you or I've I've hurt you. He would just see the blood and he would absolutely lose control of himself. So I'm constantly worried I'm going to hurt him, it's going to go wrong, my hands are sore, I can't do this properly, I'm bending over the bath trying to keep him calm, relaxed and I'm panicking and thinking if I do this wrong, Mm. He is not going to be able to cope. Mm-hmm. So I, I Because he will have a meltdown and Yeah, I hate using the word but meltdown. For for people who don't understand autism, they understand the word meltdown. Liam couldn't process you made a mistake like that. Liam can't process it. Yes. And and he responds in the only way he knows. Yes. I hate using the word meltdown or I hate using the word get aggressive or get angry because People might judge me when they might judge him. They might see him as a bold child or an aggressive child. Or they might see me as a parent that's not disciplining him enough. 
You know, if you discipline that child, you just get on with it. It's not That's as people who have no that. idea what they're talking about. I'll no, tell you, uh, you, you know that. It's a child that's completely overwhelmed by the sensories that they're being presented with. And they're trying their best. And you're trying your best as a parent to guide them and walk them through that. Mm. But they can't. They can't, and they're trying to meet you halfway. And you're very, very scared you're going to get latched out by a six-foot-tall teenager that's growing very, very fast. So you're tiptoeing very slow around the situation. At nine o'clock at night, while you're exhausted, your joints are sore from arthritis, you can't even look after your own self-care. But you have to give everything to him. You're giving every ounce of your energy to get him through this stage. So, yes, meltdowns will and can happen very, very quickly. Now, you have explained your deafness, but the arthritis, you have a severe form of arthritis. You're in constant pain, aren't you? Um, I try to put it to the back of my mind as something that's very, very hard to talk about because the pain overwhelms you. Mm. You're in pain all of the time, 24-7. You never get away from it. And you're a carer on top of it. And people go, I don't know how you do that. Do I have a choice? I don't have a choice. I have to be a carer. And I have to be a carer with needs Myself. Where, where is the arthritis? It's all I over. I have literally arthritis from head to toe at the moment. It's in my neck and my shoulders. It's in my knees. It's in my ankles. I struggle to walk. I struggle to lift anything heavy. Um, I struggle to wash my hair. I have... Um, I've often taken a scissors and chopped my own hair because... I can't wash it or blow dry it properly and I can't afford to go to the hairdresser. So when it gets too long, I'll get a scissors and I'll chop my own hair off because it's the weight of it is too heavy and there's no money to pay for hairdressers. So that's the easiest solution is to just get a scissors and chop. Um, there's very little energy left at the end of the day to take care of your own needs. So you just grab any bit of clothes you can and you put them on and you just try and get on with your day. And all of this time, and he's out now because I know you made an opportunity for me to come and talk to you, but when Liam comes home, he's a big, strong lad with his own needs. So how do you possibly manage? Both of you, how do you manage? Oh, I have no choice but to, to manage. Um... Liam is on the go non-stop, 24-7. He is very, very hyper. Um, he's very, very impulsive. Um, things can get broken in the house very easy. Not on perfect. I don't want people thinking he's going around smashing things on perfect. He, he's not. He can pick up something accidentally and then throw it, and then you find yourself with a broken window. And you're like... Oh, God, how am I going to pay for a 300-euro broken window? And you always constantly think, is he ever going to outgrow that stage? 
Is he ever going to get to a stage where that impulsiveness will stop? You know, he's mm. 15 now and he's still doing the same thing. Mm. He's like a little boy in a, in a growing man's body. Does he understand his condition? Is he self-aware? No. No. no, there's no way. He will say sorry, or he will say, I love you, Mom. Uh, I won't do it again, Mom. Sorry. And, you know, you just want to cuddle him and squeeze him, and you love him. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, my God, that's another expense to add to the next expense, to the next expense. And you can't be cross with them. Yeah. But... You still panic. I mean, there's living cost. Mm. Uh, I'm a single mom, and I don't get carers allowance or anything. And um, how come? Carers allowance is a mean test of payment. I don't think people actually realise that. They think everybody gets carers. We don't. It's a mean test of payment. And I get maintenance, and that's counted as means. So I'm not entitled to get carer's allowance. And I live in a very rural area, quite a rural area. And um, the costs for petrol and for diesel and driving Liam from one place to the other and driving up and down to Dublin, that's inexpensive. And um, You can still drive. What, what happens when the arthritis becomes so bad that you can't? Could that happen? Um... I'll be honest with you, Peter, it has, it has happened. And um, I've blown a migraine on the side of the Dublin Road and I've had to pull over and um, I don't know if the listeners really want to know that puke into a bucket on the side of the car. And um, Liam doesn't cope well with that. He's had to give, I want to go home and I'm, I'm trying to get you home, but... Mum can't see. Mum is vomiting. And um, Liam will melt down very quickly. And I'm on the side of the road, vomiting my gust up, crying my eyes out, thinking, how am I going to get him home? So um, we normally have to stay overnight now in Dublin. I can't risk driving. And that's more cost. That's more cost, obviously. Um, It was too risky. It was too fearful of driving up and driving down. Who looks after you? I mean, you look after him to the best of your ability, limited though you are. Who minds you? Nobody. Nobody. I'm forgotten. I'm not worth looking after. I don't say that. I'm not worth looking after. I've spent my life being a carer, falling into the carer role. Um... My mum got sick with cancer and I, I looked after my mum. Uh, then my mum died and now I'm looking after Liam and I actually feel worthless. I feel I'm not worth anybody looking after me because isn't that what the government is saying? Carers are worthless. We're not entitled to any services and we're not entitled to any support. So I'm the scum in the pond. I'm the lowest of the lowest. Um, I don't think anybody would mind if I died. That's, that's very hard to listen to you say that. But you must 
lie awake thinking what would happen to Liam if anything happened to me. Um, and was that was my worst nightmare during COVID. Um, if I got sick, what would happen to Liam? And um, I suppose I had to face the fact Liam would go into care. That um, there was really no support. It really was a case of um, both me and Liam are immune compromised and the risk was quite high. And it was a case of, well, if he gets it or I get it, you'll have to look after him. But there's no one to look after you. And Liam would go into care and that would be that. Um, can I be honest with you? Yeah. I don't think people really understand disability. Um, even friends and family can be very much, um, you know, get up and get on with it. Put yourself together. Or you might hear a lot of, um, if he got a good bit of discipline, you know, he'd be sorted. And um, that's hard to hear. Mm. That's Particularly hard. when it's not true. Yeah, very, very hard to hear. So I have one or two good friends that are not from Cork. And, um, you know, you can text them and you can message them. But actually physically helping, looking after Liam, no, that's not there. I'm pretty much on my own. He goes to school and, and he's on his way home from school now as we speak. So tell me about the rest of the day and then tell me about tomorrow morning. Um, Liam will suffer from, I suppose, burnout is the only word you can use it. Um... He'd be very tired, very exhausted coming in from school. Doesn't really want to talk, doesn't really want to communicate. Would be very close to a, a meltdown when he comes in. Needs to depressurise mm -hmm. when he comes in. So you really need to have food ready, bath ready, pyjamas ready. And just let him try to come down out of it himself in his own way and then the rest of the day is very much about Liam going from one activity to the next activity to the next activity you get very little done you wouldn't be able to go out with Liam you wouldn't be able to say right Liam we need to go to the supermarket he would explode that would be just pushing him over the edge he loves his school I must say that he's going to um, the Carrigaline Community Special School and that only opened last year so we had quite a high battle and a fight to get them to open a new special school and he adores the staff in the school mm. um, but there is actually no multidisciplinary team working in the school so there's no speech and language and there's no occupational therapists mm. which is sad really when you think that they've set up a brand new state of the art special school and they don't give them the services that they need This is part of this progressing disability thing that it's all supposed to come under one umbrella and and it doesn't will he sleep tonight eventually um quite hard to get him settled to be honest with you pj um liam could have <laughs> believe it or not um two or three baths a day so he uses the water and he uses the heat of the water to help him relax 
So again, before bedtime, Liam could look for another bath at nine o'clock to try and help him calm, get ready for bed. And he could spend quite a lot of the night in and out of my room talking non-stop, reliving the rest of the day, everything that happened, things that he needs to talk about, things he needs to address. And then he's on medication to try and help him sleep. And he tried to give him that. And he would still come in and jump on top of me in the bed. And I am at this point burnt out. I have nothing left. And you can't hear him coming, no. so he accidentally hurts you. Yes, there's a lot of that. Um, I actually spoke to the public health nurse and tried to get a double profile bed. I'm on a hospital bed, a small, very, very small, single hospital bed. And I tried to ask, beg for a double bed. And the answer I got was it was inappropriate for him to be jumping on the bed on me. And it was more or less a case of um, I should stop him from coming into the bed. He's a grown man. He doesn't understand. This is what he does and they told you it's inappropriate. Make him stop. Yes. And I, I, I was literally very, very upset by the comment. It was one little thing that I've asked some for. And I was refused. And I was literally told the only option is to go away and buy a double profile bed if that's what you want. And I'm, how do I get the money to buy a double profile bed? And I'm like thinking, do, do I take out a loan with the credit union or what do I do to make this situation better? It would be life-changing for me. It would make a huge difference for me. But they weren't even willing to make that much of a help. How do you, how do you go on? Um, I think very low, to be honest with you, PJ. I'm not really sure if I want to go down that road. Um... I went down to a very dark place and I felt hopeless and I felt like giving up. Um, Liam wasn't getting very good services in cams and he was getting very angry and very aggressive and I was getting hurt regularly on a very regular basis. basis. Uh, I felt I couldn't go on anymore. I couldn't wake up anymore. I just wanted to go to sleep and not wake up. I didn't want any pain anymore. And um, I suppose what kept me here, I couldn't abandon my son. I couldn't leave him on his own. He is everything, absolutely everything to me, my world. The reason I wake up in the morning, the reason I breathe, is because of him. And I couldn't picture him on his own. So. I wake up for him and um, I went to Petra House and I got counselling. So I got about seven weeks of counselling and um, if something carers really need, I suppose, it's a backup of counselling and if something we're not offered. Another thing you're not offered. Yes. And uh, I suppose we don't give up. 
and the government know we'll never give up. We are responsible for the people we care for and we love them too much to give up. But we, we do go down, we do go to a dark place and we do question why we're worthless, why we don't matter to anyone. I think you matter an awful lot more than you think to one very special boy who'll be home soon. I'm going to let you to it. Thank you so much, Julianne. Thank you very much for coming, Peter. I really appreciate it. And I know there are a lot of carers out there that appreciate that you've taken the time to listen to us. And again, lastly, for listeners, this entire conversation has been conducted by you with me, lip reading. I can't believe that you're so good at that. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate that. It's uh, been a while since a person who I went to meet in their own home for a chat like that. It's just... I had to pull in the car maybe about a mile from her house and just sit there and think for a few minutes. Um, There was so much going through my head of the stuff she said to me. Julianne Kinneen. She lives in Upper Glenmire with her son, Liam, who, if it wasn't for the fact that he was out yesterday, we wouldn't have had that 25 minutes or 30 minutes piece to talk. Someone says here, the next politician you have on should be asked, what are you doing about people like that? Actually doing? What steps are you taking to end this? Not just talk about it. You have a point. Julianne was telling me afterwards that she was at that meeting where Anne Rabbit came the week before last. And when you lip read as well as she does, you obviously get to understand people's facial expressions. And I won't tell you what she said about Anne Rabbit's facial expressions on the night of that meeting. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96FM loves Ed Sheeran and you do too. So we want to send you and a friend to see him twice. Twice. Parky Queen Cork on April 29th. Then once again in the city of love. Paris. Accommodation, spending money, and tickets to see Ed twice. Live in concert. Listen to Cork's 96 FM for Ed Sheeran songs between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. weekdays. Weekdays. Then text WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Experience Ed Sheeran twice in Cork and Paris. With Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. Two massive stadium shows. Thanks to one radio station. Cork's 96 FM. Overwhelmed, I think, is the expression um, by by Julianne. A very, very impressive woman going through an awful lot with that boy that she absolutely adores and idolises. They're the only words you could really use for how she feels about that young man. I'll, I'll get to some of your comments in just a sec. I just need to remind you, because if I don't, I'll forget that Premier League Live is back this Saturday. 
at 96fm.ie with Trevor and the team powered by TalkSport live coverage this Saturday of Arsenal versus Man U at 12.30 Norwich against Newcastle 3 and then at half 5 they finish up with Brentford versus Spurs all live online the Premier League Premier League live with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership it's your sport on your terms stream only the games that matter to you most with now and listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. We will be putting up a podcast extra of Julianne after the show. I would also suggest that we send a link directly to the office of Minister Anne Rabbit, where we have a contact uh, in her circle uh, who is again trying to secure an interview with the Minister for us to put questions to her, like the questions raised by Julianne. But I I suggest that what we also do, Fee and Fergal, is embed that link to that podcast into the email and um, have her listen to it. I'd, I'd rather put her into a locked room with a set of speakers and make sure she listened to it, but that's me. Thank you, PJ, for highlighting that lady. I thought this was a modern country. I can't believe she's in this position in this day and age. Again, the next politician you have on should be asked, what are you doing about people like that actually doing? What steps are you taking? Our government should be ashamed of themselves. A copy of that interview should be sent to every cabinet member. It's so sad to hear the way that lady runs herself down. She has no self-worth left. Our government just don't care about people like that. They just jump from one popular cause to the next. My heart is breaking. Breaking my heart. How can the government just let her exist with her son? I wish I could buy her that bed. If I had the money, I would. What an amazing lady. I'd love to just give her a hug. What a powerful interview, PJ. Let's just say you have one grown man in tears here trying to feed calves. She's a hero. Yeah. I wasn't much good either talking to her, there was tears the size of raisins rolling down her face and I have to say uh, I wasn't far from tears myself listening to and listening back this morning Kate says that's very hard listening, is there anyone out there who makes special razors for people like Liam? I'm sure people with dementia or something like that need special razors can you ask listeners? Uh, Kate, I shave my own boy Uh, he's 25 in October and he wouldn't have the coordination, the simple hand coordination to shave himself, so I shave him. Now, we're lucky in that he likes the electric, so I can do the electric with him, and every so often I bring him down to our local barber and do a fabulous trim on him. But it's a very skilled thing, and I still cut myself, and I've been shaving for too many years, but you're right, there should be something there. Oh my God, that girl is brilliant. Saddest story I ever heard. Unconditional love. That's exactly what it is. That fabulous woman, a GoFundMe, should be set up immediately. At least get her that double profile bed. Uh, Mag says there are no words listening to Julianne. What an incredible mom. Peter said very, very, very difficult listening. We, we did a couple of years ago. I seem to remember. A different thing now entirely. But when we were on Radiothon... A few years ago, I remember Michal Sheridan was the gaffer at the Mercy Hospital Foundation at the time. And Michal, one of the things they wanted in Radiothon for the cancer patients, particularly for the youngsters, was these profile beds. 
and they are like colossally expensive. I think, I think out of the Radiothon funds, we, we managed to get them a few. Though they're, they're plentiful, but they're damned expensive. Because they have a whole motor and a whole system and a whole... But she showed me pictures of her little bed and pictures of what happens and he comes in. Her little... She's a very small woman. She's a very, very small woman. And the little bed is barely big enough for her. But then he, big, loving, sloppy teenager that he is that doesn't know any better, comes in on top of her and on top of her joints and... She's in agony and all that. And, and what's more is she's just getting off to sleep and she can't hear him. She's profoundly deaf and he comes in and jumps on top of her and meaning no harm. But if you had the double bed, he could just get in with her. I can't believe my ears, this brave lady. How is it happening in this country? Where is the state? I'm so angry. She has to experience a life like this. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Do you know the saddest part of it? The really, really saddest part of it? Yeah, here's another one. I shouldn't have to say this, but it's a disgrace. If there's anything I can't do for her, if I can do for her, just put my name down. I haven't much, but I could find myself... Um, I, could, I couldn't find myself wanting listening to her. I, I, get, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, she's 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 special. She's wonderful. We were we were chatting actually for nearly an hour while she had an opportunity. And when I left her, she was just going off to make herself a cup of tea before before we came home. And that was maybe the last ten minutes, five ten minutes you might have for the rest of the evening until he drifted off to sleep eventually. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big show, 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 radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Come back to Julianne's story if anybody wants to um, talk about her do anything for her, see can we help her the one thing I hadn't said there before I went to the break, I'd forgotten to say it if you think she's the only one think again That's that's that for me is the hardest bit to stomach if you think she's the only one then then think again 0818 96 96 96 to something entirely different yesterday morning we were wondering what was going to come out of this new Bus Connects plan for Cork City. And it all looks exciting. The Echo have quite a good graphic on page three today of what's coming. Uh, sustainable transport corridors, redesigning the network of bus routes, cashless payment, revamping fares, new ticketing, new look buses, new bus stops, new park and rides. Ha ha! They're only saying that since about 1900 and frozen to death. Zero emissions bus fleet. And goodness knows whatever you're having yourself. Now, people as far as I can see, have been 
asking for simply, we got the best bus service in the country back in, I don't know, was it 2019, 20, 2018, when we got the 220, the 24-hour bus running from Ballincollig to Carrigaline. And we've heard time and time again that what would solve an awful lot of our problems is another three of them. And another three parking rides would solve a lot of our problems. But Oliver Moran of the Green Party, Councillor Oliver Moran, you've discovered something within this particular plan, which I'm sure you welcome in general, and I think many of us would do. But you've spotted something that could be a problem too. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Yeah, look, I, I suppose what happened yesterday is, is notable, very notable for the city. Look, it's confirmation that we're going to get, um, a, 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 like, to say it's a serious upgrade to, to the public transport system, I, I, I find it kind of difficult to, to say how big it is. Look, 600 million euro is going to be invested in the public transport system in Cork. This, this is already on top of nearly 200 million being put into King Station. So, so really significant upgrades to what's happening in the city. Radical transformation, really. Um, and what was presented yesterday was the first, I suppose, shakings out of what that's going to mean in practice. And it's going to, it's going to work itself out over the next nine months. Um, in about two months' time, around June, we will you know, get a confirmation of what the new bus routes are going to be. And then a few months after that, we're going to start the first proposals for uh, changes to, I suppose, bus priority in different routes around those. And that was what was, that's actually what was presented yesterday. 12 routes in particular, where there's going to have to be work to make sure that we get a bus priority along them. And some of them really good um, and, and quite radical. Uh, Old Yall Road is one that, that stood out for me. Um, it, so between the traffic lights at Mayfield and Dillon's Cross, uh, proposal is to make that local access only. So people living there, they can get in and out to their houses, but it, it wouldn't be a true road for, for traffic just passing through. And the idea with that is... Like that's that's a place where buses get snarled up, uh, even where just ordinary traffic gets, gets snarled up. So to reduce the, the the traffic going through that road, then would uh, mean the buses can can get, can get through a lot more quickly. Yeah. So so there's there's good stuff there. Now at the same time, as you said, there was one place in particular that stood out to me. Look, it's, it, you know, to do these plans, it, it's really important with these plans that there's local knowledge there. And the people know kind of street by street level kind of things that work. So one of the one of the things that, that stood out for me yesterday was a proposal for a cycle lane that will be going up uh, York Street and up up uh, Gardner Hill. And for anybody who knows them, they're, two, two <laughs> they're the, practically two, vertical. They're practically vertical, right? Two two of the, of the, the steepest streets in Cork. So look, I, I, it's fantastic news for Cork. <clears throat> and what was proposed yesterday, it, it's it's the first. Outworkings of of what's going to be have to have to be worked through over the next nine months. Um, some good, some really exciting stuff there. Some things that obviously need a lot more work to come. Mm. I mentioned before I brought you in that, and I'm lucky enough to live along the route of the two twenty, and I know the value of it. It's just magnificent. Yeah, yeah. In Absolutely. the interim, while all this is happening, has anybody said to the NTA? Well, can we do the same with the 214, the 208, the 202, and the 208? Well, in, in fairness, I, I don't even think we, we need to be talking about the interim here. Like, Eamon Ryan was down yesterday to, to launch this. And, and look, I, I know from being quite close to Eamon, talking to him, he's really committed to this. And he wants this to happen now, as, as quickly as possible. And, and the time frames that we're talking about are really quick. Yeah. Um, like, it, it is by the end of the year, uh, he wants, and the NCA have said that they want, and every Cork City Councillor who's on the call yesterday also wants us that we will have the plans in place 
and we'll start working on them yeah. immediately. But you could, like, you, you could actually turn around and do what I've just said in six months. You could turn <laughs> all these routes into 24-hour routes in six you, months. You, you could. The issue with them, and, and this is this is what, what yesterday was really about, the issue with it is where those buses get snarled up. Because it, it, it's, it's great. Look, in... in 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 June we'll have these 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 new routes announced. Mm. Uh, in the start of next year we'll have buses on those. But mm. what we don't want is for those buses to start getting snarled up in traffic. Oh, I know, but they won't get snarled up at two o'clock in the morning, no anyway. Oliver. They, 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 they won't. Apparently. You know, they but, won't. But, but, but for people for for people who who are coming and going to work. That's the thing that holds people okay. back from you. Okay. From well, we'll see how, so, how that we'll see how quickly it happens. We get details of all the route changes in June, and and I hope they're sensible. Thomas on the phone says he's been making representations about the traffic in the Blackpool area. Uh, he's given Fergal his number, inviting you to meet him. Uh, he'll report yeah, back on the commitments if they're made. Because it's one thing making phone calls to the radio; it's another to meet someone and listen no. to what they see. Tom wants to bring you on a tour. No and, problem. and show I, I, you I the would, problems. I would be delighted to. And, and another, Tom, what are you going to do about the, the council going to do about the traffic congestion at the lights at the end of Gerald Griffith Street? It's causing major problems. And Brian Bruce Street, by all accounts, this morning, they're bringing in this change of the northbound lane. That looks crackers. You're bringing people across a busy street into another lane when you could have actually just brought them into a more adjacent lane. So, so what's happening on Brian Bruce Street? I and mean, look, I, I I know Brian Bruce Street more than I do um, uh, George Griffin Street, yeah. uh, because it's in my work. So what's what's happening in in Brian Bruce Street is the, actually the beginnings of these these transformations. So it's the beginnings of what's being done with um, McCurtain Street and the whole surrounding area, and that's going. Oh to yeah, be in, in but you're asking people who are turning right, Oliver, when there were three lanes, and you've made one of those lanes now northbound, okay? Yeah. It seems to me that what you've done is you're forcing people to cross a busy junction into the opposite lane to go northbound instead of doing what I would have thought would be child's play and just turning them off directly into the in, into the first lane available. It's going to cause uh, carnage. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm sure what you're saying makes sense. I, I can't picture it in my head exactly. But what the... the, the Ultimate end point for all that is that, as you know, McCurtain Street is going to be two-way. So, so yeah, in, in the interim, I can see there, there's going to be confusion about which way things go. People are going to have to get used to it. And there's going to be more changes then on top of that. But the ultimate place where that's, where that's going is, is a, a transformation for how all those streets around McCurtain Street work. Okay. Okay. We'll have to give it. We'll have to give it time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd put cycle lane up York Hill. Good luck with that. Uh, good, good, good luck with that. All right, Oliver, thank you. Oliver Moran of the Green thank Party. You. While I have you on, just one thing there. Oh, yeah. I, I know people will want me to ask you this. Um, I've just, I, 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 is Upper Glenmire in the council area? It is, yeah. It is, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I spoke to a woman from Upper Glenmire who was the most awful situation with her son. Both he and her have additional needs and she's pleading, okay. pleading okay. for something to be actually done. Could someone go and meet her and see what could yeah, be done? Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to as well. Look, I, I, if, if you have her contact details and she's happy to give them, I'll, I'll get in touch with you after and, and I'll happily meet her. All right, Oliver, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. An Ed Sheeran song coming up before midday today. Guarantee another qualifier will go through to the draw for that wonderful prize. See him in Cork and then see him in Paris. We'll do that for you later on. There will be a song you're listing out as soon as you hear it. Get in touch. 0818 96 96 96. We're also teamed up at Cork's 96 event with the Cork City Marathon, which is on Sunday, June 5th. Now you can run solo, do a full marathon, a half marathon, a relay, take the youth challenge, do what you want. You need to register, though, at corkcitymarathon.ie in good time. And this is the week where they really want people to ramp up on their registration so they can plan and get the event sorted and squared away. So, in order to encourage you to register, we have a little prize thanks to our friends at the Riverley Hotel. It's an overnight stay with dinner for two people, which we will give away tomorrow. And we have a qualifying question every day to put somebody forward for it. So, today's question, they're all about how many, how long, how this, how that. So, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone movie was number one at the UK box office, like all the Harry Potter movies were at some point or other. But for how long was it number one at the box office? Was it A, 12 weeks, or B, five weeks? Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, it was number one at the box office. Was it for A, 12 weeks, or B, Five weeks. The answer and your name to 083 396 96 96. We have had someone on the phone who wants to remain anonymous. But this wonderful, wonderful person says they have a bed that they no longer use that would be perfect for what Julianne needs. It has double split mattress it has everything she needs it sounds like Fiona was talking to her on the phone it sounds like a full spec proper hospital bed split into two sections double profile all that kind of thing that bed this person is telling us is available to Julianne now if anyone can help to get it there that's the next step but we've been made an offer of a bed this morning, the person who's offering wants to remain anonymous for personal reasons. We've got the offer. Let's see if we can make it happen. 0818 96 96 96. Now, World Book Fair, uh, Cork Book Festival is underway at the moment. And one of the best known bodyguards in the world, or um, beach guards rather, lifeguards in the world, was in Cork earlier this week as part of the Book Fest because not only is he a lifeguard on Bondi Beach which sounds like the sexiest job in the world but also he's written quite a number of children's books about beaches and safety and rescue and all that kind of thing and he's got quite a big following Maxie, otherwise known as Trent Maxwell joins me, because I think you're planning to come back as soon as you can, morning Yes, yes mate, good morning top of the morning to everyone 
Good to speak with you. You had a good event and you're looking forward to your next one. But talk to me about the books and the work. And like I said, yeah, it sounds so- like the sexiest job in the world, lifeguard <laughs> on Bondi Beach. Yeah, so in a nutshell, uh, mate, I'm a lifeguard. I've been a lifeguard at Bondi for the last 17 years, and I'm also a full-time firefighter as well. And I've written a couple of children's books uh, around water safety and uh, loosely based on my childhood aspiring to become a lifeguard. So very lucky to have uh, spent a day in Cork, and I partnered up with Graeme Kerr, who uh, runs the Cork Lifeguard Academy. And he, if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have happened. And I look forward to working uh, with him in, into next year uh, as a partnership. And I can't wait to get back to Cork. There's so much history and uh, the people were great. It was a really beautiful city to visit so far away from home. And yeah, it was great. How did it come about? How did your visit come about? Yeah, so I'm um, traveling around uh, the UK and Ireland uh, to spread water safety and fire safety to kids and young adults all around um, you know, Europe. And I'm just on firefight holidays at the moment. So I'm over here educating as much as I can. I uh, got to Dublin uh, on Sunday and I've made myself down to Wicklow um, and then over to towards Cork. And then um, now today I'm in uh, Tralee and I'm off to Limerick tonight. So I'm going all over Ireland, educating, spreading the water safety message, cold water shock, um, you know, just trying to get the education out there as much as we can. You guys are coming into your summer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you get in a couple of nice days, people flock to the beaches, people flock to the rivers, lakes, dams. Yeah. And um, also, you know, I add a bit of fire safety element too because we all know, um, you know, that could strike, fires can strike any time of the year. Yeah. Um, so I'm very passionate about that. But how it all come about is, again, Graham Kerr got me over here. Uh, he just released um, his new new business called uh, Cork Lifeguard Academy, and ideally everyone in Cork should get behind him. You know, uh, beach and pool lifeguard and water safety courses. He's a champion guy, and uh, I can't wait to get back to Cork again next year. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant uh, week um, next year. You mentioned cold water shock, um, which I, I, I can't. I could be wrong. I've never been there, but I, mean, I can't imagine would be a, an issue in in Bondi Beach when you have so much sunshine in Australia. Yeah. But it's a real thing here because people start jumping into the water here at the first few sunny days in May and forget yeah. that water can be very, very cold. Yeah, yeah exactly right, mate. And the, pro- the problem is um, sometimes it takes a little bit, of, uh, you know, it takes a little bit longer to kind of set in. So by the time you actually are hypothermic or you are, you are um, suffering from cold water shock, it could be too late. You know, all the blood rushes from your head and from your toes back up to your main organs around your heart and your lungs and the center of your body for the core temperature. And as we all know, when blood rushes from the head down down south towards uh, the lower parts of their body, you faint. And sometimes people faint in the water. Some people can't uh, swim in the water. So a lot of the time, there's a lot of accidental drownings that happen over here in Ireland, in the UK and, and other parts of Europe where people don't mean to be in the water or they don't mean to, to fall into the water. So it's very important that you know your surroundings, know um, you know where you're walking, uh, what you're doing, If try and minimise uh, alcohol around waterways. Mm. Uh, and if the sun is out, um, you know, make sure you have a flotation device or you go with someone, make sure that you stay safe at all times. And of course, the main message we always say in Australia is you need to swim between the red and yellow flags. And the lucky thing here, for everyone here in Ireland, there are beaches around Ireland that do provide lifeguard services mm-hmm. and the red and yellow flag. So please, if you are going to go swimming this summer, please swim out of patrol beaches. Mm. I, d- I don't know how 
much time in total you've spent in Cork, but I'm sure you've been told about we are so well served with wonderful, wonderful beaches around our country. Yes, you got some beautiful parts of the, of Cork there, and I've I've seen some um, amazing photos. And yeah, you guys have got some beautiful coastlines here. You should really enjoy what you have in your own backyard. You know, all all too often you hear people go, "Oh, Australia, Australia, Australia," but yeah, you know, you guys, I've travelled so far from Australia, and I'm in your backyard, and it is absolutely stunning. And you should be very proud of and 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 rich in culture and how much mm-hmm. is you know you guys uh, you know make me feel welcome. And I, I just can't wait to come back. To be honest, yeah. I can't wait to come back. The, the writing writing books in, in the middle of all of this. How did that start? Yeah, so um, been a lifeguard for, for so many years and especially being part of Bonnaroo Rescue gave me a platform with people knowing who I am um, and I want to kind of pass down a legacy to the younger generations of the kids. So I've got four books in total. Um, uh, the first three are a series and it's from probably from six-year-olds right up to 14, 15-year-olds and then I've got a picture book, Maxi's Beach Rescue, and um, that's from zero years to probably six years. So I've got a like a novel kind of book series and then I've also got a, a picture book um, that I'm in the process of doing more books. But if anyone's listening and you want to get involved or um, support, we do – you know, uh, we're still here in Ireland, uh, and we do ship around the world, um, even though we're in Australia. So, it's called Maxi the Lifeguard, and you can find us on uh, lifeguardmaxi.com.au, and uh, and you can follow us as well on uh, Lifeguard Maxi Instagram, M A X I, or Live Learn Survive AU. Uh, you'll find and you keep in in touch with our travels of what we're doing around Ireland. Uh, we're off to Scotland on uh, Saturday, mm. uh, but yeah. Uh, like I said, if you want to get involved uh, and support, um, you know, what we do, spreading the water safety awareness, or you want to get behind someone closer to home, like Graham Kerr with uh, the Lifeguard Academy at Cork yeah. there, um, that's how you can kind of keep in touch. So, yeah. Back to something you said, you said you reckon every child uh, should have the opportunity to learn every- basic water safety. 100%. And you know, the reason why is swimming is a skill and it's something that you need to uh, learn. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I've met people that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old that never learned how to swim. They start to learn how to swim and it, and it actually makes them not only fit and healthy, but it also gives them awareness of, of knowing how to float. And the fun fact is every single person in this world, if they're taught how to, can float. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself in a water situation, you know, you'll be able to potentially survive unless the cold water gets you. But eventually, what I'm trying to say is, is if you get stuck in a rip or a current, um, if you learn how to swim, you'll be able to stay afloat um, for, say, for someone to come potentially rescue you. Okay? And then the thing is, so a lot of people don't realize, every, every hour of every day, uh, someone around the world drowns. So there's a lot, a lot of people still, this day, 2022, still drowning all around the world, not just here in Ireland and the UK and in Europe but all around the world. So it's very, very important. And don't think it's not going to happen to you because I am in a job where I see people coming to spend the day at the beach or people are going to have a nice day um, out in the suburbs. And as a firefighter and a lifeguard, I see tragedies strike and sometimes it affects good and great people and people that are careful. So just be, just be mindful of that. Just be prepared and make sure you have the right skills and knowledge to be able to potentially fight for your life or help others. Have you noticed or been told about the amount of people who swim all year round in our cold water yes. here? Yes, 
<laughs> I have, and it's starting to get even more and more popular, which is amazing. And you know, it's good to see. Um, you know, back in Australia, I do hot and cold water therapy, which is like you jump in water that's like forty-two degrees, and you jump in water that's about three or four degrees, and it's kind of like really there's some health benefits there. But I've heard some amazing stories of people that are getting out and about and doing some wild open water swimming. Um, if those people are listening, keep doing it. It's great. It's great. Um, but just as long as you stay safe, you have the right um, equipment i.e., you know, wetsuit, booties, gloves, a hood, uh, have a flotation device with you if you're going for a longer swims. And, of course, make sure you tell people where you're going and what you're doing, okay? So, um, but, yeah, round of applause to the people of Cork and, and Ireland in general. Uh, it's good to see how much, um, you know, the one positive thing from COVID is, uh, you know, there's not a lot of positive things to say about COVID, but it has made a lot of people, um, you know, use their own backyard yeah. uh, with beaches and lakes yeah. and rivers and dams. But we you learned, just need I to think make we learned sure. a lot more about our beautiful beaches up and down the country yeah, over the of last course. couple of years. But, but you just got to remember, and this is me being a, you know, a bit of a nanny here, you just need to make sure that you know the hidden dangers and the risks and the hazards that could potentially happen. So just be prepared. Um, and and just have a, have have a good time and make sure you always respect the water. Mother Nature wins every day of the week. So just enjoy it, have fun, but and have a really good summer and keep up the good work. All right, and it's uh, Maxie the Lifeguard is dot uh, com is where we'll find all your stuff. Uh, that's Trent Maxwell, Bondi Beach visiting us and. Uh First time out of Australia in a couple of years, I suspect, for that guy. And touring around and working with the water safety people here in Cork. Great. Thank you for that, uh, Maxi. 0818 had an experience actually last summer. I was in uh, up the north in a place called Port Stewart, which is beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely resort right up on the northern coast. We were up there during the heat wave. Like it was 28, 29 degrees and it was fabulous. You could have been on a on a prom in Spain. It was just gorgeous. <laughs> and there's a very famous place up there called the Herring Pond. It's a natural swimming, tidal swimming pond. And I read about it because I knew we were going visiting. It's a fabulous place. And you, oh my God, I never jumped into water so cold. And it was during a heat wave. And they swim in this place in, in January when it's calm. Cold water shock. We should all learn about it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Some stuff coming in on buses and the bus plans. I get to them. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Corks ninety six FM. Now, Labour Party activist Peter Horgan was on uh, talking about the bus connects plan and Peter works in conjunction with some of our public representatives in Leinster House he said I asked Hugh Cregan the deputy CEO of the National Transport Authority why they're not expanding the 24 hour routes I was told there's a shortage of money for that. While they say they're expanding they're effectively cutting the most successful bus route in the country by spreading it across two routes. In reality there should be three to four routes carrying a line Ballincollig a north side route, a Mahan Point serving east-west route on the south side, and I have several ideas for a fourth route. These are 24-hour routes that Peter believes should be there. They should ramp up the bus services in areas with high concentrations of industrial estates where people are going to be at work. This is more important than Lewis. It will have a massive impact on people's quality of life and their ability to use and believe 
in public transport. Well, I've said it for years, Peter, and I completely agree with you. Four 220s. There should be at least four 220s around the city. One south, one, you know yourself, north, south, east, west, and get everybody into the city. That would be a great start. Here's another one. Oh, yeah. Can anyone explain how the real-time info works? <laughs> that's like um, That's like trying to explain... Nuclear fusion. I waited in Douglas last night for from 20 past 7 for the 223X that goes from Hall Bolin at 12, 12 minutes past 7. I eventually had to board a 223, that's the one without the X, at 5 to 8. The 223 left 10 minutes after the 223X, but arrived before it. And still, real time said the 23X was due in 19 minutes. At a quarter past eight, it was still due in 19 minutes. It had left at 19... 20, ah, listen. Ah. Oh, God, you poor person, so confused. Went to Parnell Place to inquire, and they tried to fob me off by saying the 223 ran as the 223X. What rubbish. Had already asked the driver of the 223. He knew nothing about the 223X. Wonder, has it arrived yet? Why or how was a bus that didn't turn up showing on real time? Says John. Oh, that 223X, I, I don't know anything about. There's a 220X as well. That uh, confuses me entirely. But the 223X, you see it from time to time. You don't, I don't know anyone who actually uses it, though. <laughs> oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Fiona Staunton, you're a former chef, um, trained at, at Ballymaloo House. And you started to focus on food for people going into early menopause or perimenopause, because is that what happened to you? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, it was. And unfortunately, um, during lockdown, I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer and had surgery. And in order to prevent it coming back, I had to be in induced menopause. Mm. So it's uh, at 45, it was just all the symptoms, everything off a cliff. Uh, and then I also have to take medication to block any estrogen in my body. So, um, yeah, so I know all about the uh, the symptoms and uh, of menopause. So menopause is really one day. And then perimenopause is the, uh, so the menopause is the anniversary of the first year where you haven't had any periods. And then leading up to that is perimenopause, which can be from one to 10 years if if you're talking about a natural um, menopause. So kind of from age 35, PJ, we need to be having a think about what nutrients we are having and preparing Mm. ourselves and setting up ourselves for, um, for menopause. That's something I was amazed by a number of years ago when people started talking about going into early stages of menopause in in their thirties. And the off a cliff experience a friend of mine had at at twenty eight. So well that was surgically induced and all that. But but going off that cliff at age forty five, describe that to me. Well, it's just, it's it's hard and, and it's, it, the experience is different for everyone. For me, I found the insomnia and fatigue vicious cycle. It was just awful. You, you know, you couldn't sleep at night and you were just so exhausted all day. That was really, really hard. Also, the uh, joint pain, you'd get up off the couch and you would feel like you're you're 90, you know, trying to, to walk into the kitchen or make a cup of tea or something like that. And the brain fog was also pretty bad. So I'd normally be quite sharp and organized and, you know, I'd be able to remember a lot. But it's just you, you sometimes you couldn't find the the word for a particular thing or you've forgotten why you've gone into a particular room. So for me, they were 
the main symptoms. And because of your... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For cancer treatment and, and all of that, were you limited in the kind of treatments you could have for the perimenopause were you could you do hrt for example no absolutely no way so um hrt isn't an option for me so because i can't have uh, any estrogen in my body so um so i basically would look at the natural way that i could do it so in terms of uh, diet and lifestyle really was was my best best friend so you turned back to your training as a chef and the food with which you worked so what i'm getting for me is that the basic food that you learn to cook in the average kitchen you can use this food to offset the symptoms absolutely absolutely if you you know if you avoid processed foods and you just go back to cooking from scratch using whole foods you can really set yourself up so um you know you're looking at a really balanced diet with your omega 3s and your colorful vegetables and your whole grains and those type of things as well as phytoestrogens so these are um plant-based properties that you will find in things like soy, lentils and flax seeds and they mimic estrogen in your body. So if you can include those in your diet, that's going to may help to relieve some of those symptoms. Okay. So the again and got another advertisement for the Mediterranean diets and the Asian diets. Absolutely, absolutely. Because in in Asia, in Japan, they have way less incidence of hot flushes, for example, because they would eat a lot of the lentils and the soy. And cooking from scratch, which a lot of people find very difficult. They'd rather buy a packet. It's easy. It's half. Well, I've been running cooking courses for for years now, PJ, all around cooking from scratch. And I aim to just make cooking good food uncomplicated. Um, I aim to inspire you in the kitchen and educate you and just create recipes that are nutritious and tasty, but you're not going to have to spend a whole time, long time in the kitchen. You, you, You run online courses at your website. That's right, I do. 
I do. I do. For Fiona's Food for Life. Uh, I've lots of recipes there on the website, but also I run um, online courses so that you can see in real time how long it takes to, to cook any of these dishes. And so that's why I developed the six week program um, for menopause. And that's based around all different areas of health, from brain health to mood, immunity, inflammation, heart health, etc. Of course, we're also told that eating the Asian way, as it were, or eating the Mediterranean way could benefit us all. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is really what I'm talking about here are meal plans for the whole family to maximise the nutrients. It's not just for somebody uh, in perimenopause or menopause. You know, it's really we all need to be looking after ourselves. And the Mediterranean diet is is kind of the one proven diet out there. It's really a lifestyle more than a prescribed diet um, that that is benefit to us. Yeah. Every time I go on holidays to that part of the world, I, I look around at men who are 30 years older than me and look 20 years younger than me and it can't just be the sunshine, it's what they eat. Exactly, it is. So the website is fionasfoodforlife.ie and all of the access to the courses, do you charge for the courses, Fiona? I do, yes, yes. So the the six-week course is €279. And with that, you get uh, over 75 different recipes in an ebook. You get six weeks of meal plans. You get all of the education as well as the live practical um, cooking sessions. And everybody's menopause is different. So I yeah. do tailor things to people's own requirements. But there's lots of recipes, free recipes there for people to have a look at and, and give a go as well. And you're saying start now, even though you, you, know, you, you might think as a woman that you're many years away from this. Start learning now. It'll benefit you anyway. Exactly. There's nothing to lose to starting to cook from scratch using nutritious whole foods. All right. Fiona, thanks. Fiona Staunton. Her website, fionasfoodforlife.ie. Cooking, learning to cook to offset the early stages of menopause. Do you know, is there is there nothing you can't do with good food? I've recently had loads of people telling me that I should be eating this or that or the other for my arthritis, which is in my neck and it's constant, but for the inflammation caused by it, people are saying to me I should eat more turmeric and more this and more that. There's an awful lot of medicine connected or medical benefits from ordinary food. 0818 96 96 96. Still lots and lots of stuff coming in on Julianne. And Paddy was on, or who was on? No, oh, there's no name on this. Was on about swimming listening to Maxi. It might be worth warning people who haven't been swimming for years. Don't think it comes back once you step straight into the water. Paddle around for a bit. Let your body get used to the feelings of the water coming up around you. Don't just assume it'll hold you up. It takes time to get your buoyancy back. Otherwise you end up on the bottom and panic. Yeah, that's very good advice. Very good advice. And even every summer when you go back in for the first time, Be careful going in. Take it very, very slowly the first couple of times. Let your body get used to the water. Let your body get used to the cold for a start. Actually, Mags Mags was saying that this dude clearly hasn't been in Myrtleville or Fountainstown, that they go to the beach most evening and you'd see people going in in just their tugs, even when it's Baltic. I just watch, you know. Oh, God, you're right, Mags. Oh, you're so right. You go down there in February for a spin on a nice day, and there they are, traipsing in. Not a wetsuit in sight, just into the water.
great news. Fans of Patrick Horgan, Hoggy, uh, himself and his wife Ashley have uh, announced the birth of their baby boy this morning. So congratulations to Hoggy and to Ashley on the birth of baby boy uh, from all the fans around the city and the county and indeed the country who can't get in contact but are delighted with this with this news. Congratulations for everybody at 96FM to Hoggy and Ashley. All right, 0818 96 96 96. Now, new book has been written about life as a Garda in the fraud squad. God at a time when we are surrounded by scams of every conceivable kind. It's good to know there's a fraud squad out there, but it's been around for quite some time and has focused on some huge cases over the years. And it works at a level that the rest of us rarely see because a lot of its work has to be done, as it were, on the quiet. Willie McGee has written this book, Tales from the Fraud Squad, having spent many years as a member. Willie, good morning. Good morning, Peter. It is a unit of the guards that we know is out there and we know it works extensively, but you have to do an awful lot of your work on the quiet, don't you? I suppose, yeah, really. Um, a lot of it involves uh, paperwork and um, time in the office studying and preparing files for prosecution in, in due course and making sure that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the fraud squad? Well, I applied for the detective branch and, and um, I was just I was sent to the, the fraud squad. The central detective unit in, in Harcourt Square in Dublin, well, it was in Dublin Castle then, uh, housed three different units of, of detective branch and that was the series crime squad, the drug squad and the fraud squad. I applied for a position and I was just selected for the fraud squad. I was sent and I, I, I went where I was sent at the time. Mm. That. And what kind of work is it? It's... Well, that time, when I went in in 1975, um, a lot of the work entailed problems with checkbooks. Uh, checkbooks scams were on the go at the time. Checkbooks were stolen with the, with, the, with the bank card. And that time, I don't know whether you were old enough to remember. Um, Unfortunately, to, I am, to, yes. <laughs> do you remember your signature had to, to match up uh, with the, with the check? I do. Um, the signature on the te- check card always had to match up with the, with the check. And when, when a checkbook and a check card were stolen, you could have 25 checks or maybe 50 checks. And, and the signature um, on the check card would marry up to the each check and you could have a... You could go on a right here with, with so many checks. And I, I remember guards of patrol long ago, Willie, and, and, and the guard warning people, yeah. don't pre-sign your checks, for example. That's right, yeah. And, and don't keep the check card and checkbook together as well. That's another one. Yeah. White-collar uh, crime uh, takes up a lot of the, a lot of the work. Ah, it does, yeah, it does indeed, yeah. Like when, when following up on the check and check card, uh, there was a checkbook and check card belonged to a nun um, stolen one time. And um, a woman in a nun's habit presented herself at a bank in Dublin Airport to cash the cheque. And the teller in the bank refused to cash the cheque for her, which she wasn't too pleased about. And uh, she used bad language to the teller. And he knew then that that, um, she wasn't a nun at all, somebody dressed up in a nun's habit. (laughs) And uh, she took off running down the airport to get away from him. And uh, anybody saw her running in the airport presumed that she was late for a a plane or whatever and, and see somebody running after her then as well presumed that it was two people but the reason he came up with the terror came up with was he, he reckoned that this this lady was too good looking to be a nun that's no disrespect to the 
to the nuns now, but this is what it was the reason he refused to, to cash the cheque for her. And uh, when, when he reported it to us in the Fall Squad, we knew there was a small army of, of women doing cheques at that time, and we knew exactly who she was when, when it was reported. Mm. So we were in a position to arrest her in due course, and that story is in the book as well. There, um, there's no... Those kind of things. There's no area, I suppose, that doesn't... That someone won't try fraud, like sport or, or politics or, or anything like that. That's right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, the fraudster, like, really, is, is, has to be confident and, and he has to exude that confidence. And, and actually, he, he relies on, on the sympathy and trust of the victims that, that uh, he's, he's kind of... I, I say he now all the time. There are plenty of women out there, uh, fraudsters as well. So I'm not concentrating on the men only. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, yep. there's a name comes up in the book which... Cork people will be familiar with because he was based here. Tony Taylor. That's right, yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony. Um, I didn't know Tony was based in Cork, but uh, there's another story about a Cork man as well, but uh, in the book, and it takes up a full chapter. And I think, um, where, where, where's the moving statues down there in, in Cork? Ballin Spittle. Ballin Spittle. It's historic with Ballin Spittle as well, and the people of Ballin Spittle will know all about it. Um, Give us that one then. You'll probably see it. Um, it's it's a the chapter where it's uh, headed whiter than white collar crime. Ah yes. Um, the <laughs> do you read it or get it? <laughs> the normally white the the fraud is is related to white collar crime. It's usually people with white collars and suits that commit fraud more so That's than right. the fellow so dressed up in a, in a different gear. And uh, this particular man had a white collar, wearing a white collar, a circular collar. And um, that that made the chapter whiter than white collar crime. So mm-hmm. you can read between the lines. There are people in the hospital will know anyway. Will know all I'm about sure it. They, I'm, I'm sure they will. I mentioned before about, and I guess the book looks back at, at, at the history of, of of your time and your time in in sport as well, because you were a sportsman in your day. But mm-hmm. I mentioned that fraud is with us. It's all. It's modernised now. Willie, and, and, and every, it, it is much more modernised. And every opportunity will be taken. I only got the other day, and I only circulated another one of these infamous texts to my phone. Yes. You know, yes. uh, there's uh, the latest one now is that there's been a three hundred payment on your Revolut card. Do you want yes. to authorise it? And <laughs> no matter how many times you tell people, your bank will never do that. People well, still it's too good to be true. Yeah, they still fall for it. But it sounds too good to be true. It is too good to be true, and it's not true. I mean, now nowadays, uh, fraud can be perpetrated, you know, against you there in Cork, and it could, it could be generated in South America. That's you right. know, and, and it's, it's impossible to track those people down. How long is that happening? In, was that always happening? Was it? Was it always? It, it, was, it was. The Nigerians, uh, I suppose, really started an international uh, crime over the years. They started with letters, then they started with facts, and now the, now the, they were then they graduated to emails. And um, we were we were very lucky enough in, in the fraud squad um, back around 2000, I think it was, um, where we, we captured um, a few Nigerians in the process of, of committing a fraud. And actually, one of them had a, had a bank draft in his possession for £85.5 million that he was going to lodge in the Bank of Ireland in College Green in Dublin. When, when, our, when my detective sergeant was arrested him, 
um, went for the rest of him. He, he put the check or the draft into his mouth and tried to swallow it. And uh, he ended up grappling with the sergeant on the street in, in College Green on a wet day. And um, mm. my sergeant's um, suit was ruined in, 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 the, <laughs> in the rain and the... Yeah, you, you see, we we succeeded. We succeeded in prosecuting them successfully. When we were the only country in the world that prosecuted yeah. a, a Nigerian international fraud scam, yeah. and uh, which which results we we made a presentation in Fort Lauderdale in Florida to um, five hundred um, law enforcement agents from all over the world who are trying to to track down and and um, prosecute um, Nigerian scams. Yeah, and um, they're still going on. And they're still going on. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, I guess there was a full, fully dedicated unit in, in Scotland Yard to to investigate Nigerian fraud. Wow. Mm. Um, but um, we were successful that year in in, in um, arresting them and prosecuting them after a trial. Excellent, excellent. Now, to to finish, the book is available in, in all good shops. But you, you know, we we. Rarely a week goes by here, Willie, that we don't hear of some other fraud, like the one I just mentioned there on my phone. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that yeah. comes into me, and 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 everybody says, "Oh, isn't it an awful Egypt who gets caught?" I would like to bust that myth because if they want to catch you, they'll catch you. They'll catch you, and actually, the the crowd that I talked about there, the Nigerians that set up scam in Dublin, they they actually targeted people who were already scammed and they pretended to them that they were in the, in the position to re return the money to them to find out where the money was gone and return it to them. And people who had fallen already were falling for this one. And that's the one that we, we broke up. And uh, actually, I, kn I know, I, I spoke to a, a farmer in Cavan who, who um, sold a, a plot of land to generate money to invest in the Nigerian scam. And uh, when it fell through, he lost his land and he committed suicide after it. So, I mean, that's out there too. That's the other end of, 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 of um, yeah. crimes like that. You because know? people think that this is a victimless crime. You're taking, you're taking right, money, yeah. but you're not it hurting anybody. Isn't. But yeah. you could be, you're cleaning somebody out, like. You are indeed. And, and, and like when a person's livelihood has gone like that, it's amazing what, what they turn to. Yeah. Like mainly, many criminologists believe that that the fraudster is is not endowed with any superior intelligence than than the normal person, but that they're they depend on the, the their cunning and hypocrisy and and the gullibility of their victims, you know, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, your particular expertise, Willie, in insurance fraud, because I know when you left the guards, you were recruited by one of the companies to help them. It was indeed accident insurance. And um, there was a special investigation unit set up in 2002. It was the first insurance company in Ireland to to um, adopt such a policy in trying to prevent insurance scams. And um, AXA had, had conducted a survey of, I think, 1,500 people to see what their attitude towards fraud in the insurance business was. And they were astounded by the results that came in. And they d decided we'd set up a special investigation unit. And... Um, they did that, and other insurance companies followed afterwards. Okay, congratulations on the book, Willie. Uh, I love um, books and stories written by former members of the force because they tell their story, and it's like listening to the person talk. And it is like that with you, Willie. And thanks very much. Congratulations on the book. Former member of the Garda Fraud Squad, Willie McGee. Tales from the Fraud Squad is the book. It is, as they say, in all good bookshops. Now, yeah, that Tony Taylor I mentioned was the former prominent investment broker uh, Tony Taylor um, there are other people around of that name
It's not them. It was an investment broker. And he had a, a connection to Cork. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Cork World Book Fest is back for 2022 and will welcome Irish and international writers to Cork for an extravaganza of books and writing from Tuesday. Check out more information on what's going down at triscolarts.ie Cork songwriter John Spillane is set to release a new live version of the Dance of the Cherry Trees recorded with the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra and it's taken from a new live album due out later this year titled In Another Light Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Willie McGee just asked us to mention that he himself is recovering from a stroke at present and all proceeds from the sale of his book will be going to the Irish Heart Foundation. So good on you for that, sir. Uh, PJ, I suffer from arthritis in the neck also. Did you give the name of a herb or supplement or something because I missed it? No, just people have been saying to me lately, including the Queen Bee who swears by the stuff, turmeric. Turmeric, that yellow stuff you get in the curry. You get it in smoothies and drinks. Apparently turmeric is very good for inflammation. Um, but far be it from me to recommend anything to you. Check it with your own doctor. Uh, there seems to be less incidence of menopause symptoms in Asian countries. Because traditionally, women don't discuss menopause. Exactly like here in Ireland. I'm from South Asian background. I can guarantee you, I don't know of anyone, my sisters, friends and relatives, who have less intense menopause. But of course, healthy eating is very important for that journey. On the bus corridors, the Green Party destroyed Dublin for the everyday motorist. They'll do the same in Cork. Fair enough. On... Willie's book, I think the biggest commonplace scam now is not Nigerian emails or fellas begging in town, in town with hard luck stories, but it's change fraud. People should really check for the one for you, one for me scam, getting change. Like say you hand in 50 quid and the change includes 40. They appear to give you two 20s, but actually they're just giving you one. I was always against electronic cash, but I got so annoyed at arguing over change... I started using the wallet on the Apple iPhone. But online isn't without problems either. Make sure you check your change and check your statements. I've heard of that one where they give you back the... You think they're giving you the 40 quid back, but they've palmed one of the 20s, particularly if you're moving quickly. They've palmed one of the 20s out from under you. So they hand you the two, you take it, and they slide it out from under you. You shove the whole bundle in your pocket... And before you know it, you're 20 quid. You're 20 quid short. Which people use to advertise for the cashless society. Don't get me started on cashless. It has its purposes. But trust me, this boy will always have some cash. Not a lot now, but I will always have some cash in my wallet. Because cash is king. And always will be. 0818 96 96 96. Just that question again. 
on our Cork City Marathon quiz. Looking for another qualifier today. You're registering for the marathon, CorkCityMarathon.ie, until the 5th of June and an overnight stay for two people with dinner at the Riverlea Hotel. Today's question, for how many weeks did Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone stay at number one in the UK box office? 083 396-9696 with your name and the answer to that for a stay with dinner for two people at the Riverlea Hotel in conjunction with our friends at the Cork City Marathon. How many weeks was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone at number one of the box office? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, keep your promise. There will be an Ed Sheeran song before midday. You're listening out for Shape of You this hour. Soon as you hear it. Not before now. Don't get cheeky. As soon as you hear it, you let us know at 083 396 96 96. And that'll be for your chance to enter our competition to see him twice at Parky Creeve on 29th April and then Paris on July 30th 29th April is just next week lads and then Paris on 30th of July every time we play one of his hits between 7am and 7pm you need to get in touch for your chance to get in that draw it's all with Blackpool Shopping District no gimmicks no notions no paid parking just shopping it's what they do best and you're listening out for a shape of you no early entries will be entertained you've got to wait for the song there is a scam on Facebook. This Now, if anyone's come across this or if anyone can explain how this might be working, then by all means, let us know. There's a scam on Facebook that I've heard a lot about. You put up an expensive item, like a sofa, for 600 quid on Facebook Marketplace. You get contacted and then, and when you try to make arrangements, they say, oh, I'm very busy at work and I need a sofa for my in-laws. They're coming at the weekend. Or something along those lines. They say they're so desperate, they will send around a fellow with a van with the cash. Just give it to him after he pays you. Apparently, this is a scam of some kind. I can't see how. Like, you obviously wouldn't give the sofa to anyone without the money. And you wouldn't exchange the sofa without having any money. So can someone explain how all this works? Sofa comes, 600 quid, van how, how does it, but it is apparently a scam. How does it work? Does anybody know? 0818 96 96 96. It is springtime. It is the height of springtime. The middle of spring. Uh, people will be trying to tell us in a week or two's time that it starts, summer starts on the 1st of May, but we know that's only a load of old hooey. And near the right in the middle of spring at the moment. It's a time when people tidy up the house. Time when people move stuff around and try to clear out the clutter of winter so that you can have the, particularly the places in the, in the house that are exposed to the summer sun, that they're bright and airy and spacious. You just get a good feeling 
when you're in a bright, airy, spacious surrounding. Whether indoor or out, particularly outdoor, but indoor as well. And that is the reason that you feel good when stuff is well spaced out and well placed. You've come across it before. Feng Shui. Uh, Derva Griffel. Dervil Griffin of Feng Shui Matters uh, joins me. Dervil, it is a time of the year when people start getting ready for the bright, the brighter and longer days. And there's an amount of Feng Shui involved in that. You do feel good if stuff is well placed, don't you? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Absolutely. We need a clutter-free home when possible, but there's so many of us now using our home and we're, some people are actually working from home. So we're, we're using it for different tasks. So, you know, when you're working, some people need place where they can relax and look at blank spaces on the wall so that they can think straight. If they're surrounded by clutter, it totally affects them. Mm-hmm. And the colour, even the colour in the room will affect you, PJ. I'll give you an example of this. If you're sitting in a rectangular room, so you're in a chair and you're in the middle of a room and the rectangular room and it's white, it's all white. Now, if you close your eyes and you imagine you're in this room, now you change the colour of the room to red. Now change the shape of the room and it now becomes a triangular room. Now the sides are coming in. Now that will have a huge impact on how you feel and how you sense because Mm. red is a stimulating colour. So colour plays a huge part in how we how we work our homes. And it's not just following the new trends in colour. The colour should suit the home, not what we want it to look like. Like some people love red and they want to paint everything red, but mm. red overstimulates. It's like the traffic sign, the stop sign. Instinctively, you know to stop and wait, but you're waiting for the green colour. So we're influenced all the time by colour and mm. we don't even know it. Is there, is so having there, space is, is important. Is there a reason why a lot of people seem to like the areas of their house that get the best of the sun, that they like those areas to be white or grey because you let the sun provide the colour? Absolutely. And I mean, we do. We do love light coming in. But you've also got to have a balance as well, PJ, because a lot of young children, their receptors are very active on their body, like we're covered on receptors when we're born. Right. But children are very susceptible to too much light in a house. And I've gone to many homes now that have been designed by, say, Dharma Banning and different people and People love their homes, but the children don't. It's too bright for them. They need to have areas where they can relax as well. Children are very susceptible to the energy and it triggers different emotions in their body. So too much light, too much glass can instill too much energy and heat into a child. And they become overactive. They become temperamental. So there's different avenues we got to look at. It's just we conform as adults, PJ, moving forward. We like things to be a certain way. But we don't have as many receptors as the children have, especially sensitive children who've got special needs. Energy plays out totally different to them. And that's where the whole definition comes of, of Feng Shui. You might dismiss it as tidying up like the the Asian way. It's much different to that. There's a whole lot of thought behind it. 
There is, PJ. And you know what? It is about having a clear space where you can think and you can just relax. I mean, we need our home to function as our sanctuary. We need to get away from the madness that's going on around us at the moment. And we need the house to do that for us. And we pay enough for our home. So it is about having a space where you can relax. It's having a space where you can have your dinner and look out at beautiful scenery. The garden views so important. For example, when we have our breakfast now, my husband looks out into the garden. We've got a beautiful plant out there, plants, I should say. Whilst my view is the fish tank, but the fish tank is close to our sink. So if my husband lands a lot of, say, clutter up by the sink, that's my view. But he doesn't see it. So we perceive we perceive things differently depending on our views in a house. Because mm. one so person's indeed, clutter is another person's storage. It's very personal uh, what, what you describe it, as clutter. It totally is. But you know what, PJ, as well, you will find out that people that hold a lot of clutter, they have a tendency to procrastinate in life. People who don't like so much clutter, but they have a tidiness. And it's not so much about controlling. It's just about having the energy flow good in your home. When clutter, when you've got a cluttered house, the energy stagnates and that will that will cause a stagnation in our energy field because we are energy. We are a frequency. We have our own energy. Our body moves to a certain energy, a certain frequency. Mm. And so do our emotions like emotions are energy in motion. So we are affected completely affected. It's just we're unaware of it. With so many people working from home in the last couple of years, Dervila, one you've you've got parts of the house which which by necessity are busy. Now, my busy is someone else's clutter. So you you need to, you, there's a whole balance to be struck there. Yes, there is, and it depends what your kind of job is as well. Like if you're very creative, you can work in creative spaces. You don't mind angles in rooms. You don't mind different colors because that can stimulate the brain. But if you need to be mindful and peaceful in your work and really focus, for example, if you go in and you're buying jewelry, say a diamond PJ for your wife or something, okay? She'd be so lucky. (laughs) And the ceiling is lower so that you focus on the diamond, on the jewelry, okay? But you go to a casino in the States, the ceilings are high. The energy plays out totally different. You lose yourself in time. You don't know where you are. It's all a play on our consciousness. We're just unaware of it. So energy does play a huge role, especially in our performance and how well we do. And even having, even sitting with your back to a certain direction, because it can have a huge effect on your work. If you get things done or if you have to keep reading a passage over and over again because it's not sinking in. Mm. Or go to another area in the room and you just get it. It just makes sense all of a sudden. Mm. So there's so many layers to it. So just by looking at, like, for example, if you were just to look at one thing, like just clutter, you'd be missing a load of other layers to feng shui. Mm. Because feng shui is about energy left in houses. Like, you can tell if you walk into a room if a fight ensued. You can just feel it in your energy field. Or you can sense by looking at somebody how they feel. So space can hold the energy. Like I remember doing some work up in Kinsale and I was walking through a field and I just felt sick. I felt sick. And when I found out afterwards, that was where battles had had gone on many, many years ago. Mm. I could feel the energy still playing out. Land holds energy. New houses hold energy. Even though they're new, PJ, they still, energy will seep through. Okay. 
couple of terms that have come up of late that I, I want to ask you about. What is the commanding position and where would you put it if you had it? Yeah, do you know, the commanding position, it's normally, say, for your bedroom, PJ. So you're walking in the door. Ideally, you don't want your bed up against a window between the door and the window. That's the commanding position so that you can see what's coming, who's coming into the room, if anyone's coming in. And it's about the energy flow because you want the energy to rest. But PJ, looking at the commanding position, there's so much more to feng shui. That is just ideally one thing to look at. And some people who study feng shui, new age feng shui, they just look at the top layer of feng shui. They don't go deep into the different levels. It's like peeling an onion. Mm. You take the first layer and you throw the rest of it away. You can't do that. You have to go deeper to find out what's in that space. Like Mm. I've gone into houses and I've dealt with children. I've spoken with the children. And if I go into their bedroom, I can sense and feel an energy. I remember once I got a wicked pain in my stomach as I went in and the little girl was there. And I said, how do you sleep here? And she went, OK. And I said, and do you ever do you ever get tummy aches? And she said, yes, I do. I, I when I'm fine until I go to bed and then I start getting stomach aches. And I was and do you tell your your parents about this. And they say, yes, but go back to sleep. You're only you're only playing up because that's what the parents think. But it's the energy in the room that's triggering that because I can sense and feel it. Mm. So it's not just about it's not just about one place for your bed, the commanding position. There's more to feng shui. It's about what is going on in that energy field? Maybe maybe we can put the bed there. Maybe that's stimulating really good energy that we want to hold on to. So the commanding position is just like a new age approach to feng shui. Let's just look at the top levels instead of going deeper. We have to go deeper. We have to find out what's going on, what's triggering problems in people. I remember going to a house before and um i was it was this lady's house and i said look your bed is perfect perfect position where it is if it was over there i said it would trigger different different things to happen and she said for instance what i said well if your master bed was there and say you were married and i said you painted that that place blue i said you're triggering an addict somebody who likes drink for example and she just looked at me she said my husband was an alcoholic she said we separated and that's exactly where the bed was so you put somebody into a location energy, you painted a particular color, it will trigger the emotions in that person. Mm. So if they've got a weakness in their body, PJ, it will come to the forefront. They just needed the trigger. And it's the same with children, little boys. Why are the rooms always painted blue? Do they wee a lot in bed? Of course they do. Put, put them in the right energy with the color blue. They'll tend to wee. They can't help themselves. So colour is a huge part in our lives. This is this is fascinating, actually. This is really fascinating. What's the Bagua or B-A-G-U-A area? What's that? That's a very good question. And PJ, so many people phone me up and they say, oh, I've looked at the Bagua. And if I look at the south part of my house, it represents the fame. But the fame is my bathroom. My bathroom's in that side. Or the southwest represents love and marriage. So what it's using, it's using a template, PJ, and it's saying the south part of your house is fame. The southwest is love and marriage and the west is creativity. That will work for less than 10 percent of houses. Every house is unique and different. It all depends on how the house sits and faces on its land. It all depends on how the land is supported, the house is supported. Have they got mountains behind? 
Do they have mountains in front of their house? So the bag was not something to really follow. Again, it's new age feng shui. It's, you know what, if you don't understand much about feng shui and you want to put money in your southeast corner, you can give it a go. It might do something, but it's not real feng shui. It goes deeper than that. You have to see what's going on in the house. Like I look for homes for my clients. If they're buying a second or third home, I'll check it out first energetically to see if it's a match for them. If it's not a match for them, we look at another home. So that's one element we look at. So the Bagua, yeah, it's good, but people rely on it too much. And it doesn't. It doesn't give you the results you need. We have a particular favourite part of our home and it's coming into season now. And that is our... We have a we have a, a beautiful decked area off our kitchen, and the door for the next couple of months that door will be open all of the time during the day, and you could spend an entire day in that little corner, and it's it's just magic because yeah. and I find that every year we find ourselves from from March working so hard to get that area looking and feeling. It's best. Brilliant. And that's that decking area, you're obviously looking at beautiful nature as well. You've obviously got plants there that you're looking at, PJ. It's a natural sun trap. We put plants in there and they sprout. Yeah. Yeah, you see, what you're doing as well is not only have you created a sacred space to sit in, but you've also connected with the plants. And once you connect in with them, they're releasing their frequency. And you're, you're raising your own frequency. It's known as constructive interference. Their frequency is intermingling with your frequency, PJ, and your children. If you've got children, they, it will react with them as well. And it'll make you feel so good. You can't beat nature. You can't beat that sun trap. Absolutely perfect. We need to get out. We need to get more Mm. out there with nature. We need to go back to the grassroots. We need to connect more. We need a sensory garden. So there's no no coincidence then as to why at the end of the busiest day, I to go out there of an evening, myself, the missus, the the animals, our pets, all cling into this wonderful corner. Yeah, yeah. It's and do you know what, PJ? The energy is probably really good there. Not only because you created that space, but the location energy that's present obviously works for you. So it releases right. any any stress in your body and the connection. Anything outdoors is going to be fantastic. Anything, even even going onto the grass with your bare feet. I mean, oh, you're grounding in your energy. You know, like. The beach, the beach. I mean, my God, who doesn't love the beach? I mean, doesn't it just revitalize you, set your energy straight? Yeah, there's a reason for all those feelings. I just have to wrap up briefly with you and we'll come back to you because this is is fascinating. But just as people are preparing their homes for late spring and summer, one quick tip to bring bring that, um, my my favourite part of the year, late spring, early summer, to bring that into the house and engage with everyone's energy one tip one tip um flowers herbs grow your herbs grow your herbs and then bring them in and the frequency off that will just raise your own frequency okay all right listen good talking to you and we'll have you on again uh, because this is fascinating there's an awful lot more to this you know than just putting the cushions on the couch in the right order at dervila griffin feng shui matters or feng shui matters we'll come back to this 0818 
96, 96, 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Courts 96 FM. On scams, someone rang us saying they were from Air and that her broadband wasn't working properly. They had my name and address. How do they have this? It's a scam. Just hang up. I've had, I don't know how many calls the last couple of days from someone claiming to be Amazon, claiming that I owe them money. But Amazon don't have my mobile number. See? 0818-969696. Today is World Creativity Day. And Una Buckley. Una, good morning to you. Hi, VJ. How are you? It's a celebration of all that makes it, or makes us creative as people, young and old. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very, I suppose, elaborating topic in, in World Innovation and Creativity Day as we kind of move through from an evolution standpoint and, you know, technology and there's a vast change out there in the world on a day-to-day basis and obviously everything pharmaceutical-wise of the last few years. We're, we're kind of surrounded by, thankfully, creativity and innovation and I kind of operate in, in a space where I help students and, and adults with different ways of learning and, and naturally, let's say, as dyslexics or as students with, with autism or learning difficulties, tend to be highly creative. So through stats and figures and, and research, there's a correlation and a high correlation between the way people think and how they, let's say, integrate in education and integrate in society. I remember thinking back myself, actually, as I, as I was thinking about what we talked about today, sitting in classes and, you know, asking random questions to teachers and they looking at me being like, you know, am I just messing? You know, it was just kind of an out of the box thinking. And it's a different way of seeing a piece of information, either in school or in a workplace, and then how we you know segment it down and how we break it through mm. and similar is articulated now as, as in I'm sure lots of students may be listening in or the parents as they're off for Easter preparing for junior start or leaving start exams I know how do we answer that question and how do we give back the information that they want but where does the creativity come in you know mm. if we all give a similar answer if we all portray in a similar way I guess what the, sorry, the, on, the, the, the key question Una what is creativity can it be defined well, it's a very, very broad, broad topic, and it can be segmented into into different situations depending on the the category. For me, I think creativity is about exploring environments. Therefore, we seek out ways to kind of expand our mind. So, learning a new skill, doing something differently at work, maybe even listening to a podcast or an audio book for some of your listeners in a, in the car or to and from places allows the mind to develop and be creative. As you know, creativity is an altered state of consciousness. So, it marks the birth usually of a new idea. So we go from where we were before to, you know, getting it doesn't even have to be a major eureka moment. It just can be something where like, oh, we could do something differently and we can implement that. Mm. Finding a new way to do something because the old way became difficult. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really important to note that in order for us to create well, though, we must first be able to think well. So having an important mental and emotional fitness is vital to our success. So eating and sleeping patterns, you know, whatever activities you engage in to, to be present and look after yourself, mindfulness or yoga or whatever helps you create that zen helps harness then the creativity. Mm. Because if we don't have the calm, we can't get the, the flow and knowledge. And studies have shown recently that obviously creative activities, music, art, you know, mm. all of those out and about nature activities, as you're just talking there about, you know, out in the box thinking, they're more conducive to our happiness than, let's say, passive recreation. So TV, any of those static movements often don't spark light bulb moments or, yeah. or pieces of creativity. You you work, of course, people with d- dyslexia and, and they, by nature, they think differently. They have to think differently to overcome the dyslexia, the dyslexia. So it doesn't matter. Does it matter how we arrive at an idea once we arrive there? Not necessarily. I think we'll all arrive at, at different ideas, maybe at different moments in life. You know, people get maybe insights into ideas. Now, it's the insight into the idea versus acting upon it. You know, we all have a million thoughts a day. Are they their, our own thoughts and are they creative thoughts? Maybe not necessarily. We get stuck in the kind of logic paradigm and the practical paradigm on a day-to-day basis, particularly as adults. You know, we're in that hamster wheel of just doing things and doing things habitual. But there's that space. If we could create that space, for downtime where we kind of have our mind a bit more free that's then where we hopefully get some insights as to you know how we can do things differently if it's a small move if it's something you can change at home or something you can change in a school classroom or something you can do differently in work it doesn't have to be these you know generate electricity um, milestones or anything like that it can just be small things of how you integrate it and we can all be creative that's the most important thing really like an acorn is capable of producing a thousand forests so anything really is possible we all have a creative aspect and streak within ourselves mm. and it's about how do you apply that to your day-to-day life so how can you incorporate you know something creative into your day-to-day and then reflecting each evening you know I think that's a really important aspect of maybe some of the listeners could do of, of each day when you go to sleep right was I creative today and if I wasn't how could I be a bit more creative tomorrow mm. either a small task or something that I can help somebody else with are there different times of the day when different people are more creative and I asked that as someone who for the last god knows how many years has been getting up at about quarter to six in the morning and I find <laughs> that quarter to six that may six o'clock in the morning until maybe one o'clock in the day is my most creative time. I'd have another maybe hour in the evening where I can get the head around something new. But that's my most creative. Do we have more creative times of the day? And even when I'm off, when I'm not working, to get up early in the morning to plan something I'm going to do, that's my most creative time of the day. Yeah, and I do think that it's a, it's great that you've arrived at that point, really, you know, because lots of people kind of go through the day or, you know, change bits of their schedules or they maybe have a different work pattern or kids obviously involved and they, they try and alter that. So they mightn't get those peak parts of the day. So it's great to to kind of master and, and sit down with yourself and be like, right, you know, and track, track that would be the most useful thing. You know, on a day to day and a week to week basis, when do you feel you're the most, let's say, lively and most in tune? And then how do we work to master? 
maximize that time because that time is different for everybody. There's lots of people, you know, there'll be the, the light bulb nighttime people, you know, where they, they take them a while to, to wake up, particularly in the day and, you know, even into the afternoon, yet their nighttime is their time to, to flourish and be creative either with set tasks or, you know, doing homework or, or preparing for exams or, or anything in that space. So it would be important to if to take the time really to understand when is your optimal time to be creative and how best to use that. Mm. So I guess to, to sum up, Una, we all have creativity. It's just a matter of finding it and harnessing it and understanding that yours and mine and somebody else's can be entirely different. Completely, yeah. And I think an important task would be if somebody was to get out a piece of paper and they were to write down all their tasks they do in a day. Now, in a condensed format, you know, obviously you can put down, you do the dishes and, you know, to go to work. But as much as possible, you put your tasks on a, on a piece of paper. And then on another page, if you put half of the, the top of the page about logic tasks and you put the other half of the page about creative tasks and you can see where predominantly most of your time is spent. So are you mainly spending time doing mundane, let's say, you know, or ordinary task and are you primarily operating in a logic space or do you have time throughout the day where you're more creative where you're more in tune and where you can you know say harness your your creativity and then it's about trying to create a bit more of that balance yes we obviously need to be logical and we obviously need to be creative and those two things can't work at the same time ordinarily because they're different parts of our brain so how can we balance the logic tasks with the creative tasks. All right. Una, have a good World Creativity Day. Uh, there's a whole YouTube channel dedicated to it and websites and all of that. Uh, Una is from Blossom, Blossom for Life. How creative are you feeling today? Just answer me. No? <laughs> Sometimes not at all. Sometimes I could change the world right now. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Remember, you're listening out for that Ed Sheeran song. I promise you, it's coming. You are listening out for Shape of You. It's coming. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, there's an organisation that has 2 million members approximately across 175 countries. And it will hold its Irish National Convention at the Metropole Hotel in Cork this coming weekend, April 22nd to 24th. I speak of Alcoholics Anonymous. And they, they opened with a public meeting on Friday, but they have a series of events for the weekend and they're expecting a very large turnout. One of the organisers uh, is John T. John, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Um, I've, been, I've been listening to your show all morning and um, I'm, I'm not usually a radio person, but it's been uh, excellent, really, really good. And uh, um, that that lady's uh, story, Julianne, I yeah. think everybody was crying at that. You know, it was, it was very moving, very interesting. Kind of you to say so. Your own connection with AA, John, what is it? Um. I am uh, I'm an alcoholic, and um, that is um, um, not a, um, a, a description or a designation that can be given by anybody else. That's a self-declaration. So um, I um, had a lot of uh, issues growing up, and um, I, I found that um, alcohol kind of uh, took away a lot of the fear. So um, um, I... 
I gave a, 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 a try and then I, I, I stopped um, principally because I, I wasn't um, fully prepared to go along with what they were asking or, or suggesting. Um, but I did come back um, and I've been um, in, in a quite a long time now. And um, people say to me, how long have you been sober? So if you ask me that question, I'd say it's since about 7.20 this morning. It's a, it's a daily thing, you know, so... Um, it's a daily I, I thing. I, it's it, yes. That's an interesting one that you... How long have you been sober? That, in other words, that's since you woke up this morning. That's since I woke up this morning, yeah. So, um... I, 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 um, and we are um, a fellowship that um, um, offer a program for living. So um, I, I like uh, talking about this to, I like particularly to family members who often, you know, in the past have quizzed me on how, how things work, you know, but um, we, um, we, we don't, um offer anything uh, other than um the fellowship and the program mm-hmm. that we have that's um, um kind of stated or laid out um as a suggestion in in our big book so um it goes back to the 1930s um uh, a stockbroker who was trying to stay away from um alcohol uh, because of um, the, the the detrimental effect it was having on his life, um, it teamed up with um, he, he got this what what seemed like a strange notion at the time, but um, he he got the idea that um, to help himself he could help others. Yeah. So we are we are in the. Um, and so I, I don't you like to use the word a business because we're not anything like a business, but we are in in the. Um, and in the pursuit of um, helping um, others to help yeah. others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and um, sorry. No, you're um, okay. You're okay. It, a, a fellowship is an important word that people use. It's full of extraordinary people. It's full of people that you you wouldn't have suspected any of them to have had issues <laughs> with alcohol. Um, and... That when they tell you their story, they all the number of people that have said to me, John, uh, AA saved my life. Uh, yes, you know, yes. Yes, yes, and that I wouldn't be here without AA. And it's all done by talking to one another in an understanding way. That everybody in this room is here for the same reason. How we got here isn't really important. We're here for the same reason, to help one another to quit and stay quitted. Absolutely, yes. Um, there, there are only two types of alcoholics, I think, and um, uh, one, men and women. Um, and uh, in, in my experience, I've met people from all over the world and um, all different types of backgrounds, all different levels of education, all... Um, entirely different demographics all around the world, but um, all with the same common problem, like that um, alcohol um, had a detrimental effect in their life and um, um, ruined their life in a lot of places. And um, mm. um, um, but um, by following uh, particular steps, and we, we have twelve yes. steps. Yeah. We have a twelve-step program, and the twelve-step program is about. Um, in its simplest form, it's going from hopeless to hopeful. 
Um, yeah. And they say it's a spiritual program. And I, I that used to kind of get me because I couldn't figure out what spiritual was. And I was confusing it with religion. And it, it really has nothing to do with religion. Um, the um, the origins of of the a philosophy go back a long time, but um, I I um, I would need a couple of hours to kind of get into that, you know. But um, so so um, what happened? We know that most of your work is done through small meetings, uh, hundreds yes, and thousands yes. of meetings every yes. hour a minute. I mean, every minute of every day, somewhere in the world, there is an AA meeting. It's a phenomenal yes, statistic. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. at this moment, yeah. as we speak, somewhere in Ireland, somewhere in Cork, somewhere in Britain, there is an AA meeting where someone is coming in and being helped and being helped with their struggle. So what happens at an annual convention then, John? One might think, rather flippantly, it's like a big meeting, but it isn't, is it? Sure. <laughs> well, I, I suppose, yeah, yes, it is. Um the annual convention um, is, is um, I suppose, it's a social gathering. Um, it's a chance to uh, meet people from the other part of uh, of the uh, the other part of Ireland. Um, uh, the majority of people would be from um, the four um, provinces of Ireland. Um, we are a, a thirty-two county fellowship, um, and um, we get a lot of people from the United Kingdom. Uh, a lot of people from continental Europe uh, uh, and all over the world, a lot of Americans as well. So we're expecting about a thousand people. Um, And um, I I don't know how many um, thousand litres of coffee will be drank, but quite a lot, you know, (laughs) and a lot of chat and a lot of catching up. So uh, it's a kind of, um, it's it's an AA meeting on on steroids, but it also (laughs) has workshops. Um, We we have... um, you know, looking at um, you know ways to improve, and our our primary purpose is to carry the message that we have of recovery and hope to um, people who 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 um, who have never heard our message or who are unsure um, yeah. of the clarity of it. And I kind of go back to myself um, and my early days in that. Like, is that mm. uh, I I was terrified um, of a lot of issues around. Uh, poverty and shame and and abuse and different things and um, I um I I didn't want to open up like and I didn't want to talk and people are saying at the, sometimes nowadays everybody ever shut up you know but um <laughs> this is a, this is a gift I've got and I I want to pass yeah. it on and I want to be part of the fellowship you know so it's the first uh, time in three years you've been able to do this in person and I know that yes because I, sp- yes. I spoke to a friend who goes to AA, and it's as much as I'll say, who said to me, look, Zoom is not the same. I need my meeting. Zoom is not the same. They had to get used to that. It's been difficult. Yes, and, and um, it, it has but its challenges. Um, uh, in the early days, people, you see, we, we have, we, we guard the privacy um, um, through uh, a tradition of anonymity, and we guard people's privacy to um, give them a safe, safe space to to um, to get well and and to improve and and to um, you know learn how to carry our message. So people were concerned about um, the technology and the um, the a lack of um, privacy and the the, the the you know the vulnerability of of their anonymity. So. Um, we 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 persevered and and um, people came around and and some of the old timers who who um, 
who were unsure of the um, the Zoom meetings at the start uh, found that um, it was um, um, uh, they got a new lease of life and that uh, they were able to interact with people yeah. in in Cork, but also. Um, all over the world, you know. So I, I did a meeting at uh, two o'clock in the morning for the Folsom uh, group in California near Folsom Prison. And, um, you know, I, I got to meet people there and, and we've connected now. We have a, a group that I'm involved in has, has quite a strong um, Irish-American uh, connection. Uh, members come um, regularly to... Um, to um, participate in, in the, um, the Zoom meeting. So... Oh. We, we, we've ended up um, now, we're back in the rooms um, with face-to-face meetings, but the, um, the Zoom meetings um, carry on. So yeah, yeah. Uh, It became a whole new, a whole new part yes, of the yes, organisation. Yes, yes, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it did. Yeah. So, um, Has, is, uh, lastly, John, and personal, is, is recovery still, you mentioned it earlier on, and we kind of left it off, still a day-to-day thing? I mean, like... Is that something yes, we need to uh, grasp, those of us who are not afflicted with alcoholism? It is every day. It is every single day. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's a program for living. So, um, like, I, I stop using this program um, kind of when I die, like, <laughs> until then. I have to deal with all the, um, the triggers and the things that um, affect my emotions and feelings and... Um, you know the famous um, FOMO and um, yeah. um, fear of missing out or fear of losing out. You know, like um, society uh, created me um, uh, or molded me into to being someone like who who had a lot of um, anxiety and fear. And uh, I don't think I was alone. And I I, I used alcohol to escape from the fear that I had um, of losing out or missing out or not having this or not having that, you know, so, so uh, those, those things uh, don't go away, you know, so, uh, but I've learned to manage them and I don't have to react in any particular way. And if I'm triggered by something, um, the AA program has given me the tools to deal with that and and the network and the network of people. Um, So I'm I'm very excited about uh, the weekend, um, meeting people that I haven't met for a while, meeting new friends and, um, you know, um, I'm 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 a bit nervous about uh, the whole thing that it will go well, but that's just a, a bit of stage fright. And and lastly, um, it starts with an open public meeting, and I think that's, that's for right, people yes. who might be curious. Yes, that's, that's yes, purposeful. Yeah, that's, that's, yes, yes. So and and we have we have a national website, uh, alcoholicsanonymous.ie. Um, details are on that. Contact details are on that. Local numbers are on that. Um, uh, information in text form is on that about, um, you know, um, if if you have a problem or somebody you know has a problem, um, it's you know they 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 there's plastic help these days, yeah. um, and uh, our society is much more open um, now than it was when I started out, um, you know. So. Um, we, we are there to help. Okay. Um, and, and, um, and lastly and briefly, John, to answer a question, um, if someone is listening to us right now who is struggling, is it a fair thing for me to say that there is somebody somewhere right now, this second, who will talk you through this moment? Absolutely, yes. Yes, yeah. Okay. yeah like, and and um, all our... Like, we have a sister organisation, Al-Anon, um, who... Um, who um, um, are made up of the uh, the spouses and and, yeah. and the family of um, of 
alcoholics um, um, and there's plenty of people there who will direct you to AA Excellent. and the, the help is there uh, all the time. Okay, John, I need to leave it there for time reasons. Uh, good luck with your uh, convention and for the, with the great, continued great work that AA does for thousands and thousands of people. That's John T. Leona! Hi! Have you ever been to, Cro- to um, Paris before? No. Have you ever been to Parky Creeve before? I have been to for a concert, TJ, no. All right, well, you're in the draw to see Ed at Parky Creeve on the 29th and Early. in Paris on July. Your latest qualifier through to I the draw. All right, Chill. cheers, Leona. My Put you back on to Fiona. Thank, thanks very bye much. Bye. Cheers. All right, that's it. We're done. We're out of here. Talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.